0: Jeez. Recorded live. Welcome back, everybody. Good morning. Morning. Woo-hoo. Good morning. Um, I'd like to say happy one-year anniversary to Group One. Made it a year with each other. How great is that? Mm-hmm. Yay. Uh, feels good. And, and welcome back to group two. Let's keep the party rolling. We've got a lot of great material that we're going to be reviewing this, uh, this quarter. I'm very excited. So um, first, let me uh, start with a blessing. So let's all just take a deep breath in and you can place a hand on your heart if you'd like to join me. Placing a hand in our heart helps us Center in our heart space.
1: Hmm. So good.
0: So grateful. So grateful to come together, create sacred space, a sacred circle with our spiritual family. How good it is to be the two or more who have come together with a shared intention to experience and express a greater awareness of love in, as, and through our lives. Yes, so grateful to be blessed with such wonderful material to help guide us on the path to have such good company such beautiful, brilliant worthy companions, our mighty companions, and we offer up today right now anything that might prevent us from deepening our listening today, anything that might prevent us from fully participating in this class and in our life, any blocks that might create experiences of judgment, of fear, of shame, of lack, of unworthiness. We offer it all up so we can breathe in the freedom of aligning fully with our true nature, knowing that all the spiritual qualities of the divine are pre-installed and active in us now. We allow them to come to the forefront of our mind to express as our life, and we celebrate it. Yes, life is a celebration because there's so much good. We see it, we accept it, we allow it to be, and we share all the healing benefits of this time together with every living being because we are one with them, and so it is. Amen. 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 Yeah, Amen. Mm. Amen. All right. So let's do a little roll call. I know a couple people can't be on the call today, and they'll be listening to the call and writing in a little summary of the call later. But group one, um, Amina. I'm here. Right. I know that Brian is, is working with, um do some volunteer work today. So uh Kelly. I'm here. Great, Tom. I'm here. Sean. Um,
1: yes, I'm here. Hi. Chris Tompkins. Chris Tompkins.
2: Here. Oh, hi Chris. Patsy. I'm here.
0: Mar. Here. Hi. Uh, Mike. Here. Steven. Here. Great. Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Uh, And Lisa Lucius. Here. Hi, Lisa Lucius. I've been missing you like crazy. I hope I'm (laughs) so to see you. Do I get to see you tomorrow? Uh, Yes. All right. I'll take it. Cool. Group two, um, I know that Martha is at a wedding. So how about uh, Mark Greger? I'm here. Awesome. Jennifer O'Brien? Here. Hi. Zach Gower?
1: Zach may not be... Um, Okay, Soky. Soky's in Hawaii. Brandon.
0: Hi. Hi, Brandon.
1: Okay, that's everybody.
0: Um, All right, well, we will hold everyone else in prayer. Okay, guys, so... Um, Before Jennifer calls in, I'd like to take uh, a few moments to just go over some cool things that are coming down the pipeline. Uh, First, I'd like to uh, say thank you again for uh, coming together, everyone, and making it possible to put the down payment on our retreat. So we have, the retreat is confirmed, we have the space, and it is on, and it's, going to be power-filled and supercharged. So, I'm going to ask that everybody uh, mark your calendars for February 17th through the 21st. So, go ahead and put that on your calendars. And I'm uh, inviting everybody to be your top priority uh, as far as um, creating uh, space for workshops, retreats, and things to that capacity. So um, I still don't have a total for what the cost will be. It's challenging. In the past, we usually um, have had our did our like our bingo fundraiser before. We had to put the deposit down, so we had a much more clear idea of the total cost of the retreat. Um, to put the retreat together for everyone, including food, it runs about six thousand dollars. But um, we will have our bingo um, fundraiser, and that will be on December 16th. So that's another thing to mark on your calendars, December 16th at 9 p.m. And that is actually going to be a practitioner project. So you guys will be putting together the bingo, and it will be a bingo slash Christmas kind of holiday party for Inspire, um, which will get you know people excited and together. We'll do a, we're just within the practitioner core, we'll do a little secret Santa gift exchange. But all proceeds to the bingo will go towards the retreat. And so, you know, the more people that come, um, the more money we can put in, which will reduce the cost of everybody's retreat. Um, and we do like silent auctions. So we can get a really, gr- I mean, not a silent auction, but a um, live auction. So we can get really great live auction um, things and, you know, that's extra money that we could raise towards it. Um, so just planting those seeds a few months away, but still, so December uh, 16th is, um, is one thing that will help us raise funds for the retreat, which I'm really excited about. Um, October 17th, um, as we mentioned before, is an all-day training on Saturday. It's Saturday, October 17th with Mark Anthony Lord. Now, this is very important information that we will be gathering here, especially for those of you who are interested in creating community and and learning how to build, effectively build spiritual community specifically, but these principles, you know, I think that whatever community you build will be spiritual, even if it doesn't look like, you know, traditional church or something to that capacity. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, um, this training, uh, he, you know, Mark Anthony was the founder, not co-founder, the founder and spiritual director for 10 years of the Bodhi Center in Chicago. And he went from him and his husband to having, um, over 800 active members. So I think that's a pretty spectacular thing and having a multi-million dollar budget to play with. So he has some things to share with us that I'm open to hearing. I still don't, um, he's been out of town, so I was out of town, now he's out of town. So when he gets back, um, I'll get the exact times and everything for everyone. And thank you to those of you who have uh, put money towards that as well. The total cost of that workshop is $500. So I'd like to raise those funds um, so it's not coming out of the uh, Inspire Bank because that goes towards, you know, paying rent and things to that capacity. So October 17th, that's another date to go on there. Um, another item here is um, the LifeWorks Information Fair, um, Wait, is it Life? It's not LifeWorks. Um, Chris Tompkins, what is it at USC? I'm just blanking on it. Um, it's uh, Mod- for the kids. Can- models of Pride. Sorry, what? Mod- models of Pride. Yeah, Models of Pride. Models of Pride. Um, models of Pride is the largest LGBT youth gathering in America, and the world, I, I suspect. Uh, it's at USC. And on October 10th, um, from 11... Uh, 30 to 1 p.m. is an information fair, so uh, or 11:30 to 1:30 or something like that. Um, I know setup speed is at 10:30, and we have a table there. And so I'm looking for you know three volunteers that would like to man the Inspire table, so you can um, let the kids know what's happening out here and where we are and the services we provide. Um, if you are interested, we will have, uh, you know, we'll have our own call and we'll um, talk exactly about, you know, what that looks like. Now, if you're already planning on going, this might be a good opportunity for you to volunteer. Um, we'll do uh, this. Will, we'll offer two practitioner points for this as well. It's on the Saturday, so I can't attend because I'm going to be teaching classes. Um, but uh, three volunteers. They'll have a table and chair set up for you. We just have to bring all of the flyers and stuff like that which will create a little package um, for you at the center to take with you. So if you're interested in that if you uh it starts at 10:30. So if you're in group uh 2 and you're called from 8:15 to uh I mean 8:30 to 10:30, you can take the call maybe in your car. Uh, maybe get there early, park and just do the call in the car and then you can just walk right up over there if you feel led to do that. So it's an Great opportunity to meet some LGBT youth to get the word out there, to get flyers in their hands. Maybe we'll get some stickers or something like that. Um, so please email me if you would like to do that. I'm looking for three volunteers, three volunteers. Um, if you're in group one and you usually do your call on Saturday, you can just be in Wednesday's class that week. And then um, you don't have to feel rushed or like you're missing out on anything. So just email me if you would like to participate in Models of Pride at USC on Saturday the 10th, which is a week from next Saturday from 10.30. It's probably going to be about from 10.30 to 2 p.m. at the info Fair. Um, Anything else? Ah, yes. Exciting news, guys. In November, November 16th, which is a Monday, this is a definitely mark your calendars, Venerable Zahani Iwahu will be visiting inspire, and giving a teaching. Um, you've heard me reference Venerable a lot. We did a project. We did some work out of her, one of her books. She is um, our, in our lineage of teachers. She's our grandma teacher. Uh, she's Jennifer's teacher. So, um, and she is, like I've said before, the closest thing to an enlightened being I've ever met. And just to be in her presence is a transformational experience. I believe Jennifer is going to talk a little bit about her today. But, um, uh, you know, it's always my intention to raise a really nice offering for her as well. So the suggested donation will be between $30 and $50 to reserve a seat, and all proceeds go to Venerable um, and her ministry. Last so that's November 16th, which is a Monday, from 7, starts at 7.30. It will be 7.30 to 9 p.m seven thirty to nine PM and this will definitely sell out. So we will uh, we'll do um we'll have a pre registration. Practitioners will get first dibs at seats, um uh, to reserve a seat, and then we'll open it up to the general public. Um but uh you know this is her only speaking engagement I think this year in Los Angeles and so uh people once we put the event out, people from all over are gonna try to get seats so uh Really, see if you can uh, put that in your calendar so you can get a seat. So those are the dates for the rest of the year that we're looking at, and actually into next year too. Um, do you have any questions about anything, guys?
1: Jesse, that that uh,
0: Mark Anthony Boyd event, you said it's five hundred dollars. That's five hundred dollars total or for each person or total total for all of us combined it's five hundred dollars so are you asking that we contribute x amount each person or yeah um i did i put a i I sent a message out there and i think that uh i I actually have a page on our website dedicated to it with different um amounts you can contribute starting from i think twenty twenty five dollars to $200 $200 or something like that. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks. And I'll, uh, I'll repost that in our Facebook groups. Okay. Thanks.
3: Yeah. I suggest this is Kel. Um, yeah. Did you want to mention my item now or at the end of class?
0: Oh, yeah. So, uh, sure. So, Kelly needs a couch to crash on or a place to stay. Um, is it the... Um, it'll be
3: October sixteenth, maybe the seventeenth, and it'll be me and Curie. But like, I'll have which is my dog. I'll have her service dog vest. So I mean, if, if anybody's in a no pet building, she would she should still be okay. But I'm looking for somewhere I'd definitely deny the night of the sixteenth, possibly the seventeenth, so that I can stay for the workshop.
0: So if anyone has a couch or an extra room or something that Kelly could stay in for the 16th and possibly the 17th. Um that would be great. So, you don't have to answer now but uh, and that's when I was just about to answer. No. The music's playing there. Okay. Um well, okay. So, everybody has Kelly's email address. If not, we'll, we'll post that in the both Facebook groups as well. So, just reach out to her and uh let's get on that so she can uh, participate while she's here. Um, Okay, so uh, I have about five more minutes of your time, then we're going to take a little break. And then Jennifer's going to call in at 11. So I'd like to talk about uh, each group's homework assignment for this week for our first official work class. Well, you're working today, but you're receiving a lot of stuff today when Jennifer calls in. But um, so this week, group one – your let me see group 1. Okay, so your assignment group 1 is to read the foreword, I so will read all the forewords and the biographical introduction in Testimony of Light. Read the forewords, there's I think two or three forewords and then a small section called biographical introduction. So have all of that read before class. And then please jot down these two questions and be prepared to discuss them in class. Uh, And I'm looking for some, uh, for you guys to actually bring some uh, talking points into class. So don't, uh, I really invite you to not um, wing it uh, in class. actually have something written down with some points that you'd like to discuss. The first question is what are your thoughts on channeling And telepathy. What are your thoughts on channeling and telepathy? Is it possible? What comes up for you? I'll repeat the question. This is for group one. What are your thoughts on channeling and telepathy? Is it possible?
1: What comes up for you? The second question is, what happens when we die? What happens when we die?
0: And listen, I'm not, I mean, when we leave our earth suits, however you need to work with it, but for all intents and purposes, when we're not, when this body expires, what happens next? So the first question is what are your thoughts on channeling and telepathy? And uh you know, is it possible? What comes up to you? And the second question is what happens when we die?
1: Any questions, group one? All right, so write down some thoughts and be
0: ready to discuss that in your class this week. Group two, uh you're going to read the first two sections, the first two chapters on uh, the power of your subconscious mind out of the um, edition that was posted in our Amazon group because there's like 30 different editions of subconscious mind. So um, some of them are strangely different than the others. But this one, you're going to read The Treasure House Within You and all of its little subcategories. So The Treasure House Within You. And the second section is how your own mind works. So the treasure house within you and how your own mind works. At the end of each section, there is a little review uh, with bullet points. The first one says like a brief summaries of ideas worth remembering. I think on the second section it's like uh, highlights of major points discussed, review of highlights. So use that, uh, review that, and then um, write one paragraph on each section. So submit two paragraphs to Brian by Friday at noon, written, Mm -hmm. and then uh, be ready to discuss those in class as well. So the treasure house within you is the first section, and how your own mind works. Um, it should be pages I think like twelve through twenty-seven, and then just look at the high, look at the review at the end of the chapter, and then submit a paragraph on each section to Brian by Friday by uh, Friday by noon, and we'll discuss those talking points in class. Any questions, Group Two? Rock and roll. I will put both of those in a Facebook group, both the homework assignments for group one and group two in the Facebook group. Uh, If you have any questions, you can email me. Um, Any other questions on anything?
1: Would anyone like to share any gratitude? Fresh out of gratitude today?
0: Well, I will share that I uh, am really grateful for a wonderful uh, vacation I was able to take with um, Chris, and we had a wonderful time. Uh, it was fun in San Francisco. We got to see Kelly up there and uh, another wonderful spiritual community that we work with up there in San Francisco, uh, and we got to see a lot of really awesome plays, my uh, husband uh, is writing a play himself, so he's just drinking it all up with a straw, and um, I am a huge Les Mis fan, I love Les Mis, the musical, and so I got to meet the girl that played Eponine in the movie, she's starring right now in the new musical adaptation of the movie um, Amelie, uh, and she's flawless in it, and uh, so I got to meet her after the show, it was great. And I got to spend some real good quality time with my family and be of service up there for my grandparents. It's a beautiful experience. But, um, and I should say, and I'm really happy to be home and in this. And I'm so grateful to read your guys' final exams and see what quality work you're turning in, just to see the, um, how awesome it is that you guys are really getting these principles and be able to witness all of you guys have shit and miracles Oh, it's so great to do this work. I just am so in love with you guys, and every time I see anyone from the course, uh, from this group, I'm just so reminded of how much love there is here. I just it's so it's such a gift, guys. It really is a gift to be in a community of people that you really like and love. So it's 10:55. Let's take a five-minute break. Go ahead, you can refill your water, go to the bathroom. Jennifer will be calling in in probably about four minutes. So you can get back by 10.59, and we will hand the class over to her. And uh, make sure you have your journal and the writing utensils so you can take notes. And I will talk to you soon. Please don't hang up. Just keep your phones on mute. So if you're back on the call, let's all just uh, go into a little meditation as we uh, wait for Jennifer to hop on the line. And we can do that by just relaxing our bodies, sitting with our spine erect, and you can even place the tip of your tongue to the roof of your mouth and close your eyes and just imagine a dial, a volume dial on a stereo, just turning all the way down to zero and allow the noise in your head to go silent and just gently drop your attention onto your breathing, your breath. And just clear your mind. And when thoughts arise, you can observe them and then remind yourself that we are focusing on our breathing and let them drift away and return to the breaths.
1: And let's all take a deep breath in,
0: deep breath in all the way, fill up your lungs to full capacity and squeeze your root lock, all your sex organs, your anus, squeeze it tight, take a little more breath in and open your jaw wide and exhale, Ah. and you can just wiggle your fingers and toes and we can welcome Jennifer Hadley, welcome Jennifer.
4: Thank you. I'm so happy to be with you.
0: We are happy to have you with us. So, um, I shared, Jennifer, with everyone that uh, Venerable Dahani is going to be um, visiting Inspire in November and offering a teaching, and we're very excited to have her, and I thought maybe you could um, share a little bit about Venerable and your experience as her student or, um, and her as your mentor and teacher and allow us to go a little bit into developing um, how... I know my experience with Venerable what I came away with was a real um, interest in incorporating more ritual into my spiritual practice. And so I thought... Maybe you could share a little bit about why Ritual can work for us, how it can work for us, and um, the value in it and how we can, you know, um, powerfully incorporate that into our own practice and what it's done for you. And I'm sure that spirit will guide us (laughs) and will guide you exactly where we need to go. So I hand it over to you. And again, thank you so much for calling in today.
4: My pleasure, and it's my joy to share about my teacher, Venerable Da'Hani Oahu. So Venerable, actually this November, is celebrating her 70th birthday. And uh, she, uh, Venerable is Native American and her heritage in the Native American is the Salagi family, which is or tribe really not family, tribe and the which is also known as Cherokee and she is of the Oahu clan and she is the incarnation or reincarnation of many powerful spiritual beings who have walked the earth over centuries and some of them known to us some of them not known to us and her birth was prophesied and so when she was born into her family her grandparents who are were are very, very wise beings and great teachers in their community, in their tribe, in their clan. Um, They knew she was coming to be a prophet and a teacher and a carrier of the lineage. And so they prepared the way for her and they taught her from... As soon as she was born, they started supporting her and teaching her how to remember and stay in touch with the infinite nature that we're all part of. So she had this level of caring and teaching that supported her in staying Uh, totally attuned to her awakened nature and so she is the most fully realized being that I've ever personally known and she is the only person I've ever met who truly that I've known that truly truly walks her talk and um Jesse, you, you were there. She shared this summer that recently one of her grand – I think maybe her great-granddaughters asked her grandmother, Venerable's daughter, Lisa, uh, did Dehani ever speak unkindly to her? Did her – she asked Lisa, her grandmother, this child asked her grandmother, Lisa, who is Venerable's daughter, did your mother ever speak unkindly to you? Was she ever mean to you? And Lisa said, no, no, she never was. And um, the granddaughter just had a, a hard time imagining or believing that. as It's hard for us to imagine, right, that we could ever have that intimate relationship. So this is Venerable's oldest daughter that she had when she was a teenager. I'm not sure exactly what age. And raising her in uh, New York, uh, how was it that this young woman, maybe even we could say a girl, uh, could raise her child? And she's raised... She's given birth to four children so how could she be that loving and be that kind well you see when we're tuned into our infinite true nature there's no reason to be unkind and this is the thing about why we're choosing to be on a path of awakening because when we awaken to our true selves then we move into a place where we no longer are making mistakes So if you think of all the things that you'd like to experience in your life, the only reason you're not experiencing the fullness of love and joy and prosperity and harmony and freedom and wisdom and clarity and wholeness and every one of the spiritual qualities is because there's some belief that you have that's blocking your expression, your knowing, your understanding of it. So the path of awakening is to seek first the kingdom, which is within, and all else will be added unto you. So she walks in the world demonstrating what it is to be uh, much, much closer to that than we are. However, we are one with her, so she's really just showing us what's possible for us. And she's also taking the path of uh, celibacy. And she has taken vows of compassion, the Bodhisattva vows. So her aspiration in this world is to be the Bodhisattva and to help us all awaken to our true nature. And it's... uh, What I can tell you is I first met her in 1987 or encountered her in – I'm sorry, 1997, and you know how they say that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Well, that was certainly true for me. She was speaking on a Wednesday night at Agape, and um, Reverend Michael claims her as – One of the most important people, Michael Beckwith, one of the most critical people in his life in terms of his path of awakening, and um, he invited her to speak on a Wednesday night, and as soon as she started speaking, I just knew, oh my goodness, by the sound of her voice, I knew she knew. (laughs) And so I thought, where did she come from? Where did she come from? Oh, my gosh. And I knew immediately I had a desire to know more of her. And as the years have unfolded, I've come to realize that we have a profound connection in, on so many levels, and we're part of this same soul group That are doing this work together and um, as are you all or you wouldn't be drawn to Jesse and to these teachings and to doing this work together so uh, we do have soul groups or soul families that come together to love support and express together and we all have our own individual facet of the curriculum no one's is more vital or more special than another's they're all integral they're all one and so um, we're very fortunate to have in our midst someone who is in that awareness of the truth so one of the things about venerable is she is very um, multi-dimensional So she's, uh, in a sense, when you experience her, you start to realize that she's more in other dimensions than she is in the third dimension of density. And, um, And we're all moving in that direction of being able to carry a higher vibration, And have a more expanded awareness beyond time and space where we can really truly see and know what everything is for. And from that space, we have no misperceptions. So how do we get to that space? It's really through the practice of compassion and non-judgment. Those are the two keys. So love, gratitude, non-judgment. Compassion and love. Are really the same thing. Uh, compassion is loving, understanding. So that's the way of the Bodhisattva. To be grateful for everything just as it is is to be without judgment. So love and gratitude, compassion, and non-judgment. This is our daily practice. We can practice all day long in every moment. And when you're with Venerable, you you witness that you witness that and it's it's powerful and it's powerful to be in her presence and she's really only here to be of service so one of the 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 first really powerful lessons she gave me was we were traveling together we were staying in a hotel and she was going to be speaking uh, that morning and uh, I knocked on her hotel door room and I just said Would, uh, what, do you want some coffee I can bring you some coffee and she said no dear thank you uh, I I took a vow not to want anything and so I thought hmm okay so I got the feeling she'd like some coffee. So, how can I propose that to her where she would accept it? So I said, would you like some coffee? I'd be so happy to bring it to you. And she said, oh, yes, I'd love that. Thank you. So that's just a beautiful way that she taught me when I asked her, do you want some coffee? And she said, no, dear, I took a vow not to want anything. And... whole teaching unfolded in my mind about that because I realized as I walked to get the coffee that wanting anything is a recognition that you don't actually have it or you don't have the means to attain it because if you if you are wanting it you're literally saying to yourself I don't have it I don't have the means to attain it because if it's within you for instance The spiritual quality of prosperity is our true nature. So if we'd like to experience prosperity, all we have to do is express our true nature. But if we have a belief in lack and limitation, how are we going to express our true nature at the very same time? So if I have a belief in lack, I'm going to be wanting and needing and craving. And so with that simple just that simple little interchange over a cup of coffee, that whole teaching unfolded in my awareness. Now, the thing is is like attracts like. So we met each other in the space of great willingness. I was willing to learn and I was willing to serve and I was grateful for both of those opportunities. So when I knocked on the door, I was knocking on the door of wisdom. With my willingness to serve and my willingness to receive. And I received so much through my simple thought I wonder if Venerable would like a cup of coffee. And that's a great teacher. That's a great teacher. People think that learning and teaching is such an intellectual process, but true great teaching and learning, is not that at all. It's not that at all. It's when the, that willingness to receive and to serve meets itself, then the exchange is one that... The two becomes the two or more who are gathered and all the obstacles to knowing the truth that's already our very nature, they fall away. The obstacles fall away. So this is why we gather together. This is why people can read books and take classes without learning anything. Sometimes I speak to people who say, oh, I've read A Course in Miracles so many times. They've read it many more times than me. They've done the workbook many more times than me. And yet, they still aren't understanding the teachings. So that willingness to receive, the willingness to serve, the open-hearted gratitude, these are the, the great tools that we're cultivating. That, and that's seeking the kingdom first, and that's when everything is added unto us because the fact that we must always keep sight of is we're already whole. We're already the Christ. You see, and this is what Venerable knows. So when you join with someone who knows it and who's willing to see it all the time, when you join with them, you will have a greater possibility of seeing it too it's the two or more who are gathered and so this is why I always encourage people if you have the opportunity just to listen to her voice whether it's live or in recording or to be in the room with her you may not understand anything she says that doesn't matter your willingness will shift you because it meets with hers. She has total willingness. So if you have a little bit, then there will be an opening, there will be a healing, there will be a shift. Now, one of the things that is my experience, and I would bet that it's probably your experience too, is we go into situations with willingness, but then, and we have a realization of truth, We have an opening in our heart and in our mind, and then because our willingness is not something we're truly cultivating and there's not a constancy of willingness and gratitude and compassion that we're cultivating, not that we're not, it's okay if we're not already there yet, but if we're cultivating it, we're going to keep coming back to it and coming back to it. really, truly cultivating it, then our uh ahas and our insights will just fall away. The the breakthrough will not last. And then we think, oh, I'm stupid. Something's wrong with me. I'm just never going to get this. Why can't I get this? Why am I repeating the same lessons? And the only reason we repeat the same lessons again and again is because we reject them. We reject them through our thoughts of lack, attack, limitation, and separation. So this is why we have spiritual community, is to keep going back to the space of cultivating the willingness, opening the heart, choosing gratitude, being of service. However, if we're being of service to get something, uh, it... It's not the spirit of generosity. It's not the spirit of having boundlessness, infinite if we're trying to get something, then we're coming from the place of lack and limitation. So if we're tithing to get something, if we're giving service to get something, if we're trying to get approval, if we're trying to get recognition, if we're trying to get validation, we're doing any of these things from that sense of lack and limitation, all it's going to do is bring more experience of lack and limitation. And so she holds that space of boundlessness. And when we join with her, we will start to recognize it in ourselves. Is there anything, let's see. Uh, Venerable's also a Buddhist teacher. So um, many years ago, In her meditations, uh, this Buddhist lama started coming to her in her meditations. And remember, I said that Venerable has this multidimensional consciousness where she's literally moving through different dimensions of um, higher dimensions and other worlds in other dimensions. So if we had a higher dimensional awareness, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th, like that, we would see, oh my gosh, we would see the angels, we would see the ascended masters, we would see all the different kinds of beings that are here loving us and supporting us all the time. So um, she started to have these conversations multidimensional conversations with uh, this Buddhist teacher who uh, is, or rather was, the head of one of the schools of Tibetan Buddhism. And uh, he's now deceased, but he was uh, living uh, in India at that time, I believe. And um, so he started contacting her in her meditations and they had conversations about the similarities between uh, that school of Tibetan Buddhism and the Native American teachings and uh, after so many conversations like that. Venerable said, are these real conversations? She said to him, are these real conversations? Are you and I actually having these conversations? I would like some physical, tangible proof in the world of form that we're actually having these conversations. And so he sent, um, I think, two monks to visit her in Vermont and bring her gifts, and they just showed up on her doorstep bearing these gifts from him. And so that began her, in a sense, official connection and her beginning to teach the Buddhist teachings. She uh, was a Buddhist in uh, many lifetimes in the past and uh, has been recognized as being the incarnation of several lamas. Very, very... uh, I don't want to say important but um but several important lama this te- is the word i don't know what else to say um in the the lineage so um yes and uh so now she's the f- founder of the vajra Dikini nunnery which is a Tibetan Buddhist nunnery in uh, Vermont. And she offers a combination often of the Buddhist teachings, the Native American teachings, and her own mystical teachings. And so she weaves together these three schools, and she also teaches um, just from... Uh, one or the other in different instances. So, if you're interested in learning about the Native American, Selegi, Cherokee, Wahoo teachings, that would be uh, the Sunray Meditation Society teachings. And she has a whole program there. Where it's very extensive, and you study with her for many years, and you can become a minister in those teachings. And she also offers uh, Buddhist teachings on a regular basis. And uh, you can, if you know anything about Buddhism, you can take refuge with her, and and then she, you are. Um, really saying that she is your teacher and that she is going to help you to attain enlightenment. And um, you can also just enjoy the mystical teachings that she offers on a regular basis through beautywayproductions.com. So sunray.org for the sunray folks and beautywayproductions.com. And then vajra, dakini, manari, not sure exactly what their website is, but you can find them. And um, venerable is is has vajra speech, vajra v a j r a, which is the pure speech. So the sound of her voice, what she's saying uh, to the one who's interested, will help call them to their awakening. So. Um, I've had experiences of being with her where I have felt a complete shift in my awareness that I held on to, that I didn't let go of. So just by being in her presence and having her speak a certain teaching, very simply, like one time she said, uh, and it was actually in conversation on a break between teachings where she said somebody was energized speaking uh, about things, uh, about politics or something and, you know, what the president sort of um, being, complaining about the president and, saying what he would or wouldn't do. This was many years ago, and um, I don't remember the exact nature of the conversation. And... uh, Venerable said something like, it's important to recognize the power of speech and not to speak anything that you wouldn't like to have brought into manifestation. And I was actually teaching that. That's the law of cause and effect. I was actually teaching that at that time, but I wasn't really living it. I was giving myself permission to complain, to judge, uh, and to say things that I did not wish to bring into fruition, I was giving my, it was like in my mind I thought, okay, the law of cause and effect is real, but I, I'm not gonna try and live that way all the time. What? No, that's beyond me. But in that moment when she said it, I felt this energy move through my whole being because I was so willing in that moment to live the truth. And I I made the decision in that moment, I am not going to give myself permission to energize things I don't wish to call into being from now on. And so I started to become very vigilant in my word. And I still find... Corrections every day and I make those corrections every day with love and compassion and I'm grateful to make those co- corrections because I do not wish to bring anything into my experience that's not of love. So my willingness, I heard the teaching for the first time with my total willingness And it changed my life. Literally, it completely changed my life. So that's the value of having a teacher who is pristine. And she is pristine. Not that she doesn't make errors in understanding. Sometimes um, she will... So clearly see the truth in the invisible, she won't see something that's happening in form and take it into consideration. And I've been with her where I've actually said to her, well, what about this? And then she's like, oh, you're right, I didn't see that. And so her sight was just above it and not taking it into consideration. So not that... So... um, You could say that was an error in sight or a misperception but um, I've never heard her say anything that wasn't true and I've never heard her say anything that I didn't know absolutely with my whole heart that she embodied it and there are very few spiritual teachers that you'll ever meet this is part of my vow is not to speak things that I've read in a book that I don't live so that's part because i I don't feel like i've learned i if I don't live it, I can't teach about it because then I'm teaching you don't have to live it it's not important, so there are times where I might say, "I read this where i'm I'm uh, speaking about something that I haven't actually experienced that I don't know in a fully embodied way. So, and that my ability to do that, and the, my understanding the importance of that—that's my integrity. It comes from watching her and understanding how important and valuable that is. You know, and and Jesse um, Jesse aspires to that same high integrity, and so this is why he's been drawn to me and to Venerable. And this is why you're drawn to him. So you see how it ripples. And you see why every choice that you make is so important. And it stops being a burden to be more pure in your choices. It starts to be the gift that you give yourself that you can then share with everyone. That's the teaching that Venerable lives. And by being around her, I've learned it. I think, is there anything else you'd like me to say or any questions?
0: I uh, I feel very complete with that. It was really beautiful, and uh, I'm so excited to uh, be able to have the opportunity to host her. She wasn't sure if she was going to be able to do it, so I was happy when they gave us the green light. Um, and I'll just open up the, the circle for questions, if anyone has any questions about uh, Venerable and if everybody feels complete, great, but please feel free to uh, ask anything, and then um, Jennifer can, uh, you know, we can stay here for a while, or Jennifer can continue on.
5: Yeah, this is Tom. I will have one question. Uh, hello. Hello. I love the teachings. Uh, what you're saying is to, uh, uh, if you're reading it and, uh, and you're teaching from that reading, you have to live it, or at least try to embody it and be willing to to live it. You know, being able to say, come from that space of integrity that this is who you are, and uh, this is who I am. So, what I want to know is, you know, when you're saying uh, about, you know, the Coming from uh, lack or limitation, or feeling that you're coming, that you're doing something to get something, which is the same thing as you know, you're you're coming from that space of uh, not uh, of feeling that you're not having enough when uh, reality that you do have it. So. Can you expand on that a little bit, you know, especially when it comes to, uh, like, relationships, you know, how we relate to another person or how we attract that which we're seeking?
4: Thanks, Tom. It's always good to hear your voice. And so, like does attract like. And sometimes it's hard to understand that. So I think that there are two two really good ways to understand that part, which is that, so we could call it the mirror effect also. So when I am, I'm going to attract individuals of a like vibration, of a like mind, who are thinking similar thoughts. And I'm also going to attract people who are going to help me to learn based on my willingness. That's still a like attracts like. And then I'm also going to attract people who are experiencing a challenge that's similar to a challenge I'm experiencing or I have experienced. And so when something bothers us, some person bothers us, or what somebody does bothers us, there's the mirror. They're helping us to look within and to correct our own thinking by correcting it about the other person. So this is the teaching in A Course in Miracles that is all forgiveness is self-forgiveness. So all forgiveness really is, is the release of the judgment, the meaning you've made of it. So when someone bothers you, you're not bothered by what they're doing. You're bothered by the fact that you're holding a judgment in your heart about them or what they're doing. And so, if you hold that, you're going to feel disturbed. So the other mirror that we experience is uh, like I said, when someone is putting on a display of some kind that is showing us how we used to be uh, in some way, shape, or form, and or what those thoughts of disharmony lack and limitation look like attack thoughts and it's a cry for love for us to be compassionate and so if it disturbs you then they're reflecting back to you your own thinking your own belief system if it's just a big display, or even a small one, but it doesn't bother you, then it's a the cry for love. It's the opportunity for you to build your compassionate heart. So those are the there's there's that. So then, if we're holding on to lack and limitation consciousness. We, we have to experience it in the world because it's done unto us as we believe. The law of cause and effect is we have to manifest what we believe because that's the only way anything can come into manifestation is we think it, we believe it. So we have belief systems, thought patterns that we brought into this human experience to heal. It's the karma from previous incarnations. So we've written a script to bring those blocks to love to the light of our awareness so that we can look at them and decide, oh, I do not need that block to love anymore. Now, when things come into our life and they're upsetting to us, that's exactly what's happening. There's the opportunity to look at that karma, that belief, and to relinquish our interest in it, to release the attachment to it. So when these upsetting Thoughts come into our mind. They're literally magnetized, like attracts like, magnetized into our awareness. So the thought is attracted by our belief system into our awareness. Our awareness is our God power. Our awareness is our God power. We choose what we're going to shine the light of God into. Every thought, and I've said this before in these classes, every thought contains an image and when we think it we're shining the light of God into it to make it appear in this world in form. So form is our thoughts, our feelings, our experiences and what manifests tangibly in 3D. Most of us are living in the world of thought, and most of us are barely experiencing the world of form. We're mostly experiencing the world of thought and emotion. So the good news is is we can do so much healing so quickly by really deciding to be extremely mindful and to give up the investing, reinvesting in, that negative karma by reinvesting in those beliefs. So it's our nature to be prosperous and abundant, but if we believe in lack and limitation, it's not going to happen. So, and you know this from your science of mind training, Tom. So, someone in my masterful living class was asking me this week um, what happens when the answered prayer doesn't come? What do you do then? So I said, well, how do you know the answered prayer hasn't come? Because many times people think they know what the answered prayer is, but how do you know? If you don't have a pure awareness, how do you know what the answered prayer is? You don't know. You don't know. Your mind is blocked from knowing. So why would you think that you know what the answered prayer is? So, uh to, if we're praying for abundance and prosperity and we think that abundance and prosperity is what we experience in form, we've got it wrong. Abundance and prosperity is that kingdom within. It is the consciousness of prosperity and abundance. And so um, it's I gave the example about what, what happens to the answered prayer. Where does it, how does it manifest, where does it go? So if... if Let's say that a prayer is like planting a seed, and this is the teaching of Ernest Holmes, which you're studying in your classes. So he talks about uh, planting the thought as a seed in the one mind, and that the seed is going to grow to fruition if it's fertilized and watered and cared for. It's going to grow to fruition according to its nature. So if you plant a kernel of corn, you're going to get a stalk of corn and you're going to get a corn crop. Uh, You're not going to get lemon trees or basil or some other thing. You're going to get according to the nature of the seed. So if you plant seeds of lack and limitation in your thinking and your beliefs, then that's what you're gonna, your crop is going to be. It has to be. So this is why we learn to work at the level of the mind. All healing is at the level of the mind, of Course in Miracles says. So uh, imagine that you're a farmer and you till the soil and you make it prepared for planting and you, you do plant a crop of corn. And then you go to bed that night and you wake up the next morning and you look out the window and you go, Where's my corn? I put so much effort into planting that corn. I have no corn. Where's the corn? Nothing is happening. And you go out every day and you walk in the field and you go, nothing is happening here. The corn is not growing. Now what, what seeds are you planting? You're planting seeds of nothing happening, of despair, limitation, lack, So that is going to affect the crop, because the crop doesn't have a choice. It has to respond to your thinking. And a very easy way to uh, demonstrate this to yourself is to get two plants, two identical plants, and put them near to each other so that they're experiencing the same conditions water them the same and everything, and just treat them differently in two ways. You can even get three plants, and this is Emoto's rice experiment. You can do it with rice too, but I I, I like doing it with plants better. And so you get these three plants, and you could even do it with seeds. Plant the seeds in the soil, three equal pots. And one, you you actually say to it every day, look at you, you're growing, you're expressing your magnificence, you are the living presence of God, and I'm so grateful for you, I love you, you're perfect just the way you are. And then you have another plant that you look at it and you say... You stupid, ugly thing. You will never amount to anything. You do not have what it takes. And then you have a third plan, just ignore it. Just completely ignore it. Because in a sense, these are the three different ways that we uh, alternate for how we treat our presence of God, our I am presence. Sometimes we're saying, I'm stupid, I'm bad, I'm wrong, I'm never going to amount to anything, nobody's ever going to love me, I don't have what it takes, I can never be healed, right? And then other times we're thinking, I'm great, this is so good, how wonderful this is, this life, I'm so grateful for my life. And then other times we just completely ignore our God self, completely ignore. We just go into self-medication and self-destruction, and we pay no attention to our presence. So try it as an experiment on three plants and see what you get. I don't know, did I answer your question, Tom?
5: Yes, you certainly did. That's that's a wonderful expression of it, and... uh... Yeah, I did. Uh, uh, I was listening to the whole thing as you were talking. I was jotting down some notes on that. And yes, uh, when we believe that we have uh, have it, you know, then we're going to act like that. And if we we're always kind of looking, well, it's not manifesting. It's not you know, doing this. Then uh, yes, we're blocking it. And I love the. The way with the experience uh, of the three plants and to see how that really manifests in uh, real life like that and uh, uh, it is because sometimes i I have killed oliveira uh, before uh, and uh, you know that's hard to do so uh, uh but I did and uh just because uh, you know, I uh, I was uh, I don't know. I was, one time I was mad at it, and uh, and it it just shriveled up. So and mm-hmm. another, it, even with objects, I was uh, mad at something else, and I had my uh, phone in uh, my hand, my other, and uh, it just completely died and never came back up. You know, I and I wasn't even in talking to it, but I had it in my hand, and I was talking about something else. So, uh, you know, I have experienced that uh, firsthand, yes. Thank oh, you. Oh,
1: that's, a,
4: yeah, that's a wonderful share. That's a wonderful share. Does anybody else have an example?
1: Any questions? I
0: actually have a fun – well, not a fun example, but an example of that. Um, And it was right around – it was actually when I was in Masterful Living and you were giving that exact teaching. I was living in Studio City with my roommate, uh, my then roommate, Lauren. And uh, we both had dogs. And I had Sammy. And she had a little dog, Moxie. And Moxie was a yapper. Um, and the whole condo was hardwood floors. So, like, when she would yap, it would be like a piercing nail in your eardrum. <laughs> and I think that both, and my sister was uh, lives close by, and she works close by, so she was just always over. And I think we both uh, sort of de- developed a resentment towards Moxie because of her yapping. We loved her. But, you know, we just didn't love her as much. uh we weren't giving her as much love as we would Sammy, the you know the crown prince of everything good in the world and um but I started to experience that Moxie kept getting sick, she just kept getting sick, and um and when you were teaching that, I thought, you know, I wonder if that it has anything to do with the fact that when she's here, a lot of times I just try to ignore her because they don't want her to bark, and so does my sister. So I said, okay, let's make an experiment. I was like, from this point on, and I, ta- I, I gave my sister sort of the rundown of that teaching. I was like, so from this point on, we give Moxie just as much love and attention as we give Sammy and just see if anything shifts. And my room, Lauren was like a really, she was a, a, young, a young partner in her law firm. She was always working. So I would spend the majority of the time with the dog. I was sort of the caretaker. And when I started giving Moxie jo- the same amount of attention and adoration as giving Sammy, that dog was never healthier. She didn't get sick at all for that whole time. And it made me think of, like, wow, you know, it's really, there is some real potency to, uh, you know, what we place our loving attention on and the um, miracles that can unfold. I mean, just a, a representation of health and. Uh, vitality just by placing my attention and being willing to uh, not withhold from this little critter.
4: I remember that. I remember that. Yes, Moxie's precious. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great demonstration. So you see, Jesse's willingness to practice the truth teaching, he learned it, he'll never forget it. So he learned to take responsibility. Instead of thinking something's wrong with Moxie, he realized, oh, maybe something's wrong with the way I'm treating Moxie. And Moxie can only show up as a manifestation of what I think of her. And you know what? We're not that far away. We're 2 months away from Thanksgiving. So you've got 2 months as an experiment to really change your mind about how you feel about your family if you have any issues in your family. And see if you have a different experience when you're if you're with them at the holidays. Prove it to yourself and then you'll know it. So you Jesse had also asked about the power of ritual. And yes. so you you can see how in a, in a certain way what I'm talking about with the plant is a kind of ritual. And so rituals it's not that they're magical cuz there is no magic. There's no magic in this world. But there there is living in the miraculous consciousness. So I did a radio show, Oh, I can't remember now, earlier in September maybe, or maybe it was in August, about Miracle-Mindedness, my Course in Miracles radio show. And so people have this really strong thought that a miracle is what happens in the world of form but it really doesn't the miracle is the shift in consciousness to release the thoughts that aren't true and energize what is true to live in the awareness of truth is to be miracle mindedness to value the truth is to be miracle minded and then Miracles will demonstrate in the world of form, meaning that things will seem to miraculously shift and heal. And when you practice this, you will find that it's really true. So, for instance, one of the rituals I did this morning was I, uh, I lighted some, some incense, I lit uh, some white candles, and I took smudge and I smudged my whole home and I made prayers I made prayers uh, a blessing for venerable and for our class and this was all part of my morning ritual and brushing your teeth can be a ritual most people brush their teeth in the very same way uh Many people prepare their foods and wash their face and wash their body and do all these things in the very same way. These are various kinds of rituals. So rituals actually help us to feel grounded in this world. So even the smallest ritual that includes adoration of your God self is going to change your life. all have rituals. They help us to feel more secure and grounded in this world. Any other thoughts or anything about ritual that you like to bring up, Jesse?
0: Well, actually, I had this um, sort of aha moment um, with... Uh, actually my, um, altar at home, and, um, I realized, I was looking at it, and I was like, gosh, it kind of looks dusty, and then I thought, gosh, how long has it been since I've actually wiped down my altar and cleaned my crystals and things like that, and then I thought, gosh, how long has it been since I've, you know, really had, like, you know, I do a, um... I've really been exploring loving discipline this last year, and, uh, you know, my schedule has been sort of really sporadic, especially in the morning, so I haven't had a really devoted morning practice. Um, I usually have it in the afternoons, but that kind of became habit, and now my mornings are beginning to open up, but I haven't implemented a morning practice, which was the intention of getting a schedule where my mornings were opened up so I could have a morning practice. That's what I prayed for. And I realized that, wow, you know, it's the same thing with the plant and the rice and moxie, you know, that I had been, in a sense, I'd been sort of neglecting my altar at home, but I've also sort of been neglecting my personal practice in the way that I'm really interested in holding it, you know. I, I feel like oftentimes a practice can get into, you know, listen, my life is my practice, okay? I practice service and I am always, always mindful of everything that comes up and I go into inquiry. But there is, I do have a interest, a true desire to deepen my meditation practice and my prayer practice, especially in the mornings. And I realized that the altar at home was a reflection of my practice, that it had become a practice and that I had not been I hadn't hadn't been putting enough attention into my altar, but the altar supports me in staying mindful. It helps me stay grounded in my practice. It helps me stay committed. Not to mention I have so many wonderful crystals and friends and uh, different symbols of deities and aspects of the divine there that it is my intention to honor it as a symbol of just that and allow my altar to be a healthy symbol of my own practice and my own commitment. And it was just an observation I had about, um, about that and how that maintaining my altar and keeping it clean, keeping it in the state of beauty, making sure that I wash my crystals and treat them with love and care gets to be, that ritual of doing that gets to be an outward picture of my commitment to my own practice. And how interesting that it was, it was just that. It was a symbol of my practice because there was dust on it. It wasn't being very cared for or cared for to the extent that it could be. And I was like, wow, that's totally my practice right now too. So it was a real invitation to become really mindful with that and to take a new approach.
1: Beautiful, powerful,
0: Well, we still have a half hour in class, guys. Does anyone have any questions for Jennifer about anything we've discussed so far, whether it be ritual, how to incorporate ritual? Uh, maybe you look for a little more clarity around ritual. You can still ask a question about venerable or anything that she's discussed so far. Um, again, I'm so grateful to have um, such a wonderful teacher here um, gifting us her time so um, let's utilize it and if you have a question that you'd like to ask that doesn't seem to be on topic chances are it is on topic so I invite you to ask that question anyway okay
1: well go ahead
5: just a quick note, I have to get going now, so I will see you tomorrow.
0: Thank you, Tom. Okay.
1: Yeah, I have a hey. question. Oh.
2: Can you hear me? Yes, yeah.
1: you can.
2: Um, yes, um, as we're talking about doing a ritual, um... It's something I really would like to do, but sometimes I feel—I don't know why I feel this—but I feel tightness, and um, I think in my life when I've kind of done things naturally, I've seen things unfold, um, and I realize I'm starting to see now that um, when I like, I've been trying to really. hold a thought till till it, like, you know, hold a seed till it's fruition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've had to adjust my thoughts because, um, I started manifesting things that weren't exactly what I wanted and what I had thought. Like, I was wanting some, um, I was wanting to do something because I have a passion for something. And I was holding a thought to get this thing started and what what I needed to, in order to do that. And so it was really powerful, but then the very next day I got all of these odd phone calls from people out of nowhere just wanting to give me money, but it was for, let's like, a loan. And another place wanting to give me money just to go back to school. And I thought, okay, I even asked them why would you call me? I've been, you know, it's been like ten years and they and sometimes they'll send me a letter and I said, Why would you call me all of a sudden? And they really didn't have an answer. But um so I thought to myself, Well, maybe it's because I'm not really believing in grace because if I was believing in grace then I would feel like it's not alone, it's just something I have. It's something that I didn't earn. It's just something that I have. So, you know, I'm trying to go back and incorporate that in my thinking. But all this talk about ritual, I don't know. I I, it, I just
1: get tense.
2: So my question is, I'm not sure there's a question in there, except um, maybe you can um, help me with a ritual that why somebody would feel tense and am am I on the right track, something like that.
4: Yeah. Well, let me ask you, why do you think you feel tense?
2: I think, I I don't know, I think I have these thoughts that I've tried these ritual things before and it just kind of left me feeling...
1: I used up and not light, not free, not, I don't know, not happy.
2: Uh, and I really want to feel that way. I notice that when I really want to do things, I really am happy and I do them. And sometimes they are ritualistic, very much so. But, you know, it's not something that's uh, planned. It's just how I feel.
4: Mhm. Well, in in the moment, sometimes it can be very challenging to determine the exact cause of tension. Uh, generally, it, it often is because we're thinking a thought that's not true, a fear-based thought, a judgment, and we believe it, and that will make us feel tense or agitated or upset in some way. Uh, so, for instance, sometimes we feel tense when we're in a situation that's unfamiliar, and the thought might be, I don't have my, I don't know how to handle this situation, therefore I feel tense, because I think I'm separate from divine insight and guidance, and I have to figure out how to handle this moment, and I don't know how already, because my experience, my history, my past has not taught me that I can tap into the infinite, so therefore I think I have to be able to handle whatever's coming based on my experience in the past, and so that's a lot of times why people feel tense or someone might be feel tense because uh they notice that someone else is tense and they're empathic and they're in a uh what venerable would call resonance coupling where they're matching the vibration the person who's tense is pulling them into that vibration because they don't have spiritual sovereignty so uh I've learned that if someone else is tense and nervous, I can relax and pull them into my vibration, that the higher vibration will always, in a sense, win out or uh, dominate. But if we don't have dominion over our mind, then we might just go willy-nilly wherever everyone else is going. It may be that in the past, you participated in some previous lifetime in some kind of ritual that was violent or destructive. And so the thought of ritual might be stirring up unhealed um, beliefs.
1: Yeah, I think that's quite possible. Uh Uh-huh.
4: So then the opportunity, then it's an opportunity. It's always an opportunity. Tension, distress, upset, it's always an opportunity for purification of false beliefs, always. So you can take that opportunity and learn to trust your higher self to lead you, guide you, teach you, heal you, your perception. Because you don't actually need to be healed, just your perception. And uh, Or you can start managing and coping with the tension. Or you can uh, buy into the tension and feed it and make it more and more real. And we've all done all these things, haven't we?
1: Anybody would like to add to this? Can you relate to this?
3: I'd say this is Kelly. Um, You mentioned something, if you could expand a little bit on it in particular. It's something I've been really looking at recently regarding ritual. and um, You mentioned spiritual sovereignty in there. I've been trying to figure out, I hate to figure out, but... I'm looking at considering like what do I do as part of my spiritual practice and what's you know what are my rituals Um, in particular I mean there's things that resonate with me that I've done for you know a couple years now but then there's also that balance of like when I have a teacher who I honor and love in my life um, when they say like oh this is a really good practice for you if I did every practice that like I've been doing and then I add the practices that my spiritual teacher is recommending I'm like almost like where I, like I can't hardly get out of bed in the morning some days because I'm like, oh, I have this to do, I have this to do. How do you figure out what to incorporate in your life as well as simultaneously understanding that you have a teacher and then incorporating what they do you your life?
4: Yeah, that's a good question, Kelly. So I, I would say if you're having trouble figuring that out, then one thing would be to ask your spiritual teacher. Well, I've got all these practices. Are you saying that you really think I sh- I would benefit by adding this, or doing this instead, or what? And and just bring it to them and trust their wisdom. That's what I would do if if I if if. if uh, I asked Venerable to give me some practice, and it felt like, oh, it's too much for me. I'd say, well, I've been doing these other things. What, what do you think I should let go of or adjust, or what, what, what are you saying? Okay.
1: okay. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> mhm.
4: because it's it's one thing when you're being guided by a spiritual teacher and you're relying upon them to advise you and it's another thing when you read things in a book and you say well I'm going to add these things I read in a book because if if you're in that space uh which I've definitely been in then I'm the one that's going to discern, although there are times when I might go to Venerable and say, um, I found these practices in this book. I, it really resonates for me. I've been thinking of doing it. What do you think about that? Do you know anything about it?
0: And Jennifer, maybe, yes. May I, uh, I just want to interject, to that, one of the reasons I invited Jennifer to speak on ritual is because I find ritual to be a valuable uh, practice to, or a value, something to incorporate into my practice. It's really helped me, one, stay committed to an ongoing practice, it supports me in deepening my practice, but it's also something that I had to really work with because. Um, parts, uh, I, I remember a teaching in A Course in Miracles saying, let go of ritual. And I thought, hmm, well, what does that mean? And so for a long time, I really, I think I misinterpreted that. And what I gave myself permission to do was get really lazy with my spiritual practice because I thought, and I remember going to a lecture where someone said, all you need to do is really give your day to the Holy Spirit, really mean it, and then that's all. That's all that's required, you know. Uh, do your whatever. And I was like, okay. And I did that for a while, but it didn't work for me because I was interested in. in uh, it wasn't enough for me. That was a great excuse for me to get lazy. So when I contemplated it a little bit more, what I realized was, and I actually asked Jennifer about it, and I spent some time with Venerable and listening to Venerable's teachings, and I realized, oh, what I understand now is the Course is inviting you to, to knock down all of your false idols. Mm-hmm. It, don't make the meditation magic. Don't make mm-hmm. the, uh, the, you know it all magic. Don't make the deities magic. What it is is it's know exactly why you do what you do. If this is a symbol of something, if this is a symbol of your invitation, to allow the peace of God into your life. Know that, but also know that the peace of God is within you, and this practice and this ritual is just supporting you and accessing it. And so when I got that clarity, then I began to really value ritual in my life because it supports me in staying disciplined um, and um. And I feel like it also supports me in having forward-moving momentum. But it's a support, it's a tool. It's not magical thinking anymore. It's not giving me some, it's not like a a potion or a spell or anything like that that's going to give me super spiritual powers, which is how I I held it before. Now I understand, oh, this is all an extension of me, and this is how I remind myself and honor myself in this practice.
1: Yes, very beautiful. And I understand where
0: people hit resistance with when they hear the word ritual because I think that a lot of people have experiences of being forced, especially when they were younger, into doing ritual time after time every Sunday or every time they went to church or whatever. And it felt routine. It felt like people moving, going through the motions. And it felt mindless when we are really practicing being mindful. And a lot of you know people have had um, uh, not super loving experiences in those institutions. What that practice ritual. And so this is an opportunity for us to one practice forgiveness through the practice of developing rituals that work for us and being mindful in each one. And that's what I aspire to do, is to allow everything that I do, and since my life is my practice, that my entire day can be a ritual of remembrance of the truth of who I am. And we get to practice that and play with that, and of course it gets to be playful and fun in our own practice. And, um, you know, Jennifer, I really uh, value... Uh, a lot of the practices and rituals you have given me because once I was able to see them with that perspective, they really changed my life. They really helped transform my practice and deepen my practice and deepen my understanding. Yeah, I
4: understand. And um, I'll be writing about this in my blog tomorrow, but we have a full moon tomorrow night at Pacific time, it is going to be at 8 p.m. And uh, what I've learned from Venerable and the Indigenous Native American teachings is, full moon is a a time for releasing the thoughts and beliefs and activities and energies and attachments that don't serve our path of love. And it's also a time of harvest. And we have a lunar eclipse. It's a powerful time. Uh, perhaps you've been reading or listening to what people are saying about it. And uh, uh, so I'm going to be offering in my blog um, tomorrow some suggestions for a full moon uh, expansion ceremony, expanding awareness ceremony or ritual
0: Can you share a couple of those now with us? So maybe we can um, invite everyone to check out Jennifer's blog. If you haven't checked out Jennifer's blog, by the way, check out Jennifer's blog, jenniferhadley.com. But uh, is there anything you can just offer us now?
4: Yeah, well, some simple things are to uh, create a sacred space in which to have your ceremony or ritual, and uh, so one of the things to do is to pray, to consecrate the space and make it sacred. Sometimes people like to play sacred music, meditation music. Uh, Sometimes people will prepare the space by cleaning it and smudging it, things like that. I light a white candle. Bringing in that fire element, I have a glass of water, bringing in the water element, and uh, we talked about the sound element. And so, we in in our prayer, we're letting go of that which doesn't serve, and we're harvesting the wisdom from our experience. So, letting go of judgments unforgiveness, resentments, regrets, shame, blame, those kinds of things. And then what we can do is we can... I like to write. I'm a writer. I find that writing and journaling is extremely healing and expansive. Many people resist writing, and my sense is because... They let things get in the way, such as my handwriting is terrible, I don't like writing. Uh, And my experience is that most people who resist journaling or don't do journaling and writing assignments, that part of it really is because they do not wish to look at their thoughts. They do not wish to be that aware of what they're thinking. Now, awareness is curative. Awareness is healing. So remember how I was saying that when you bring the light of your awareness and you hold a thought, you're shining your God light into it. That's your God power. That's going to bring it into fruition in some way, shape, or form. So I find that the practice of journaling and writing writing and being contemplative is uh, writing in a contemplative way is uh, bringing to the light of my awareness oftentimes hidden thoughts and beliefs. I don't wish the negativity to ever be hidden anymore. I I know it's not who I am, so I don't identify it as part of my being anymore. So I, it's, it's uh, easy for me to let these things go now. And the more you let go, the easier it does become to let things go because you're not as identified with it anymore. So being able to do some writing and journaling about what you'd like to let go of and and what you'd like to harvest. So it might be, let's say, you had a difficult experience in your life. You You could write about how you'd like to harvest the wisdom and the learning from it, how you would like to have that experience support you in being more loving, more compassionate, more your true self. So writing from that high intention is going to uh, ignite your heart. And then when you've got your heart aligned with your thinking, there's nothing more powerful for your awakening transformation. So uh, doing that energy, sometimes it's really lovely to gather with a friend or several friends and do this together. And then you can uh, celebrate uh, in, by having a fire puja. If you have a burning bowl or you have a place where you can burn what you've written and make that smoke offering, make that offering to the fire of your sincerity um, sometimes you can uh, tape it to the window and let the full moon energize it overnight and then burn it the next day. Uh, and you can cer- certainly make prayers to complete the release and the expansion at the end of your ceremony and then drink your water that's been prayed over and energized and that now holds that intention. So that's that's the thing about water is it has memory. So it will hold that memory and then it'll take that into your cellular structure. And very simple, simple way to have a full moon ceremony.
0: So the fire represents, um, just because things like this are new to some of the people in the call Jennifer, so I just, again, I really am um, committed to being mindful when we do things. Uh, the fire symbolizes transformation, correct?
1: Uh, it's yeah, it's our, our thought.
4: And that's, that is the power of transformation is our thought. It's the alchemical chemi- Alchemy of, of shifting our thinking. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So, like when we like, I know that fire pujas are part of many, many, many different philosophical and theological practices. So, what is like when we all, when we burn something? Wh- what does that like mean? What are we doing with that?
4: Well, we're we're it's a consecration, so we're making that. Offering, And uh, one of the things about the Buddhist practices and the indigenous practices is it's making offerings all the time. So offerings are demonstrations of our intention and our willingness. So you rituals of offering.
0: Hmm? Yeah. An offering is what? I love
4: that. It's, it's demonstrations of our intention and our willingness. So this is why, as I'm smudging my home in the morning, I'm making the smudge is an offering. I'm making prayers with it. The prayers are an offering. So what's my intention? My intention is to make my environment a place of pure intention. That's the that's the smudge the sage smudge, and also I like the Nag Champa incense, so I use both. And uh, I light white candles, and I make prayers, uh, blessing all areas of my life, all areas of my home to affirm my intention and my willingness to live a life of purity and intention, because that's what I'm I'm choosing. That's what I'm teaching with every part of my being. So I energize that in my home and start my day with that.
2: That's beautiful. I love that.
4: Yeah, it's remembering that my life is an expression of the divine. It's not about getting stuff or making stuff or any of that. It's about being this. Mm, that is
1: powerful. Mhm. So we have four minutes
0: left. Does anyone have a very quick question or maybe something they'd like clarity on that they'd like to ask Jennifer? Beautiful. Jennifer, would you honor us by blessing us out, by praying us out? And then um, after Jennifer uh, leaves the call, everyone, if you could stay on just for another minute. Uh, I have one last uh, thing to share. And thank you again, Jennifer, for coming in as always and just um, deepening the conversation and uh, expanding the energy. And um, we're just sending so much love to you. Um, in kawaii
4: thank you my pleasure so let's place our hand on our heart and move into that place of self-compassion and gratitude willingness intention recognizing that this heart center is where the kingdom is We're grateful and thankful to consciously connect and commune with the higher Holy Spirit self in this prayer, connecting with our ancestors, the company of heaven, and all that is holy for the purpose of recognizing our true identity. I am that I am, and I am one with the I am presence of all beings, and I am so grateful to know that this is so. So grateful to open our hearts and minds to the free flow of wisdom and truth and to walk the talk of love, compassion, willingness, and gratitude. We're grateful and thankful to share the benefits of our awakening, our expansion, our healing, our joy with everyone because we're one with them. In grace and gratitude, we joyfully Let it be. We allow this prayer to be our life. And so it is. Amen. 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 Amen.
0: Amen. Mm. Mm. Yes, ma'am. Love it.
4: Blessings, everyone.
2: Thank Thank you.
0: you,
4: Thank you, Jennifer. Love you. Love you, too, Amina. Yay, thank you.
0: All right, so practitioners, um, today at 4 p.m. at the center, Parks Kramer, our uh, admin assistant, is uh, premiering the first yoga class of a new series that we're offering. We're going to bring yoga back now that we have a little more bandwidth. <laughs> so Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 7 a.m. are um, different yoga and tai chi, and then Saturdays at 4 p.m. So if you're around and available, Come on down and help us uh, bust in the new um, yoga series. I'll be there. I think Nina's going to be there. Parks will definitely be there. Um, And also, if you feel, um, if you would like to offer Jennifer a tie, um, I really invite you to consider that. And her website is jenniferhadley.com. That's J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R. H A D L E Y dot com. And uh, at the top of her site, you'll see the area to tie. I uh, really feel like it's um, she gives us some real good soul food, and I love to um, acknowledge where I get fed. So I tie it to Jennifer regularly, and I invite you to do the same if you feel inspired to do so. And with that said, um, I look forward to seeing those who are. Um, on hospitality tomorrow in the morning. And I would love to see the rest of you as well. And much, much, much love, everybody. I'm so happy to be back in a new uh, quarter, a new module. And we're going to rock it out. So um, have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. Hey Stephanie. Yep.
3: Sorry, real quick, this is Kelly. I realized um, if anybody emailed me a lot, you don't have my current email address. So I'll put that in Facebook, and if you can post that to the second group, it will be great, so we can try to get me housing, because I think a lot of people don't have my new email.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, again, Kelly's looking for a couch commitment or an extra room for her and Curie on November 16th and possibly... October. October, sorry, October 16th and 17th. Okay, um, yeah, post that in the Facebook group, and I'll get that to the other group. So thank, thank you all so much, and... Um, If anyone, again, is interested in doing Models of Pride Saturday the 10th, let me know. Talk to you soon. Love you guys. Bye.